Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. First Things First is a production of First Shallow Water, and each week we get to meet people from our church, our community, talk about things that matter to us in the church and in our town and even all around the world. So I'm Brad Miles. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church, Shallow Water, Texas, and our special guest today on the podcast is Roxanne St. Clair. Roxanne is my friend. She helps uh, lead worship. If you come to the church, you see her sometimes up on the stage singing and leading worship, and uh, it's been so awesome to get to know her over the past year and her amazing family. So, Roxanne, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? All right. Well, like I said, my name is Roxanne St. Clair. Um, I'm married to Justin St. Clair. We've been married um, 18 years this year in May, oh, which is crazy. 18, 18 years. 18 years, almost there. And yeah, we your have, marriage can vote, Roxanne. We, our marriage can <laughs> vote. That's crazy. I'll have to tell Justin that today. Yeah, and we have a, a 17-year-old daughter, Mia, yep. and then we have uh, nearly 15-year-old twins, Blaine and Presley, so... A lot of our time right now is um, spent kind of following them around and cheering them on in their endeavors that no they've doubt. found places to grow so t- character. T- how was it? How was it having twins? Talk about that for me. Oh man, there's probably <clears throat> some was, new mom out there who needs. This. It was tough, you know. Yeah, it was, and you know that's a big part of, this, you know, sort of my story. I wasn't supposed to have kids. Oh um, whoa! And so. There was, um, I had a tumor on my ovary when I was in college. I was mm. a sophomore in college, and it, I had an emergency surgery. Wow. And so during that, you know, uh, they thought it was cancer. It okay. wasn't. Yeah. Thank goodness. And, um, but ovaries don't heal like other tissue in the body. And sure. so you can't really repair an ovary once uh-huh. you cut into that. So they removed that tumor. And so I was left with one ovary. Okay. And that ovary had some damage from endometriosis just sure. from earlier years. And, yeah. Uh, so the doctors told my parents, you know, to start saving money because in vitro would be the way wow. I had to go. So anyways, uh, kind of a cool piece there to that. You know, my twins are a double blessing for sure, but they're a miracle. My yeah. my doctor told me I had three eggs that got through, and their names oh. are Mia, Blaine, and Preston. That's so. it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of miraculous there. That's so, really yeah, it was, cool. It well, was tough. It was tough. Being a new mom's hard. So well, and listen, I you know, of course, I you know, I've I've just met him in the past year, but mm-hmm. but uh, but that's probably I didn't even know that story, but I would say that they're miracles too, man. Yeah. All three of those kids are amazing kids. Some of my favorite people in the world. Well, man. thanks. They're but that's awesome. mine too. I um, in spite of Justin and I, they've they're pretty amazing. <laughs> they're it does go to show you, you know, at some at, at a point in our marriage before we got married, we dedicated everything to the uh-huh. Lord because right. we knew we'd mess it up without Him and. Man, he's been faithful through our kids. We are not perfect parents by any means, but the Holy Spirit has never left us to parent them alone. And even when we've made mistakes, God has just shown us the way to to teach them in mistakes Mm -hmm. and uh, help them grow and see us kind of navigate having done it wrong. Who's a perfect parent? I I haven't ever met one, so I'm certainly not one. I told Amy one time, I I was like, look, I know that one day our kids are going to have to go to therapy because of something I said or <laughs> yeah. did, you know. So, but, but if they could just know that I love them, mm. you know, then maybe, maybe if they, if they know that I love them and I love Jesus and I want them to love yeah. Jesus, you know, then maybe the Lord can make that enough, you know. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it is as a parent. You're just, you're just kind of doing it the is. best you can. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of therapy, I'm a big advocate for therapy. Yeah. And, in our household, you know, we all have a counselor. Uh-huh. Uh, some, yeah. of, some of us have the same one. Some of us have a different one because right. we're all wired a little bit different. But I, counseling for me has been a real lifesaver in my adult life, navigating some adult challenges. And right. so for my own kids, I really felt like <clears throat> giving them a person in their pocket that they could utilize when they needed it. Because growing yeah. up's hard. And, it is. you know, my kids are very well-rounded in that, you know, they'll tell me. You know, I think I need to go talk about this. I think, you know, yeah. so. Um, and you know what I've Therapy. Found? We all need therapy. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what we found in our family, too, because we, we feel the same way. But, you know, for 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 Carson, especially because she's the oldest mm-hmm. one, you know, but for her, like going to see somebody else, like not me, you know, and not Amy, mm-hmm. as much as we want to be there. Yeah. There are things that she, you know, that that she needs to talk about that she just can't have a conversation with me about, you know, not, not a real, not the whole conversation, you know? And, uh, and I think, you know, recognizing that as a parent and being like, 
man, my, you know, I, there needs to be some other place yeah. for them to go yeah. with it. And I think that was pretty healthy. Okay, well, we're going to get to some of that later, yep. okay, because that's some awesome stuff. Tell, tell, uh, tell our, our listening audience a little bit about, like, we know a little bit about your family, but what do you do? What's your, you, I know you were an educator at one point. Was, you were yeah. a teacher for a long ten time. Ten years. I was a teacher for ten years and taught in different age groups, and I love mm-hmm. kids. You know, it's so funny because I didn't like kids at all. <laughs> When I was before I had my own or before I even figured out that I was supposed to be a teacher. And so I did that for 10 years. And there's a lot of kids in the community I've watched grow up and have my heart, you know, Mm -hmm. um, were a big part of my life, even just for the two years I taught here in Shallow Water. But God kind of moved me out of that position. Man, teachers are, they are angels. They really are. And it takes a lot out of you as a teacher and as a parent. So I have high respect for them. And, And that was just a season where God moved me out so I could kind of pour into my own kids yeah. and not be empty when I came home. Oh, so gosh, for th- yeah. I've been out of teaching for the last six years. Okay. And so I, I moved from teaching into an actual um, sales career. And yeah. so my family owns Hot Ruby Cranberry Cider Company. Yes. And so that is my mom and dad's company. And so I'm the head of sales and marketing for that company. So we have been around six, almost seven years. And it's been fun to, we, it was my grandma Ruby's recipe. It's just cranberry cider and yeah. we bottle it and <clears throat> sell it. We, we knew it was something special when we just served it the way she taught us to make it. But right. it's been pretty awesome to watch this product sort of spread across the country. We're in over 500 stores across the country. That's and, cool. Um, there's something about, you know, my grandmother, Ruby, it's called Hot Ruby. Yeah. My grandma right. was, her name was Ruby and a big part of my um, testimony and my relationship with Christ is founded in her and her teaching me mm-hmm. and leading me. And, but she did something in her house. Her house was different. Right. Um, when family was there and that, you know, she, cranberry cider was what she had on the stove, right. but it was that feeling we had when we were there. Yeah. You know, um. I grew up in a family that was a musical family, uh-huh. uh, not so much um, instrumental music. We don't, uh, not a lot of us play guitars, but vocally. Yeah. Um, Church of Christ was my dad's family's okay. denomination. And so they're all Church of Christ, so a lot of harmony parts. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. every time we were together as family, we had hymnals out and we were singing the parts, harmony songs. And so yeah. I grew up learning and hearing the name of Jesus frequently. I was right. in and out of church my whole life. Um, and I, there was a point in my life where I realized, you know, and we'll get into that, but, you mm-hmm. know, I just, I knew his name. Yeah, right. But I didn't know him. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but back to my grandmother, Ruby, and that feeling that, that she evoked in her home, it's mm-hmm. really awesome to see. It's almost supernatural a little right. bit that when you make, when you pour a cup of hot Ruby, it sort of evokes that same feeling. It's, yeah. it's family and togetherness and coziness and comfort. And um, it's been pretty cool to sort of bottle up what my grandmother Ruby and my poppy, his name was Roy, yeah. um, strove, stri- strove, is that a word? Yeah, strive strove. for yeah. in their home yeah. um, can kind of happen around that bottle of cranberry cider. So yeah, yeah. I get to talk about my grandma Ruby and my husband made the comment one time I was at market and yeah. you know somebody said how's Roxanne doing he said oh she's selling hot ruby and bringing people to Jesus <laughs> so we, we laugh location. about that yeah. at hot ruby you know yeah. the opportunity to share the love of Christ at market and mm-hmm. um, you know as I sell hot ruby and talk to my stores and mm-hmm. ask them about what's going on in their life pray with them over the phone right right you right know, yeah it's, it's cool and my grandmother it would thrill her to death yeah yeah so. that's a, well I'll tell you what else you know, I have had some hot ruby on a couple of different occasions and, and, and lots of different ways because you can do all kinds of things yeah, with you it. You can make it, you know, cold. You can make, make a punch out of it or whatever else. And we've done it a bunch of different ways. But when I when I, I put it in my – heat it up some and put it in my coffee cup, yeah. you know, and – Oh man, it's the stuff, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the good. stuff. It is the that's, stuff, and that's my favorite way. Yeah, I mean yeah. that, and that's the, that's what that's the way Ruby service. She would have it in a pot on the stove right. and with a ladle, and yeah, you, yeah. she would always have beautiful china cups. Uh-huh. And uh, we would label our china cup of hot there. Ruby. Yeah, we that's laughed good. about that. Well, so we're gonna we'll, we'll put a, in the show notes for this episode. We'll put a link. Okay. You know, in there so people can go and learn cool. more about the product yeah, awesome. and maybe purchase some. But anyway, uh, so if you're out there and you haven't heard about Hot Ruby, you'll have a chance. Yeah, to, make sure to you go that. to drinkhotruby.com. Yes. yes. Drinkhotruby. Drinkhotruby.com. Not Hot Ruby. Okay, yeah, that's, that's not my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably not appropriate for our. No, no, that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a good. We need that warning. We need that warning. Uh, Roxanne, I needed so thank it too. You. Nobody yeah. gave me it. <laughs> You just rolled right up into that, mm-hmm. didn't you? Not my grandma. <laughs> All right. Well, so, okay. So you started off talking a little bit about your grandma and about how she was a part of you coming to faith and a, yeah. and a, and a part of you knowing about Jesus when you were a kid. Yeah. So just talk, about, just talk about your faith story. Talk about, you know, how you, how you came to that moment where you knew you needed to, 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 to know Jesus and not just know his name. Sure, yeah. So, like I said, I was raised, you know, raised in the church and— um, had was surrounded by believers mm-hmm. and um you know teenager years you know right. as you get older and you know there's a certain point where faith becomes your own and right. so that you know around age 14 I was a freshman in high school I went to a church camp for the first time so one and only time I went to church camp and I went to um Blue Haven okay and had a an awesome experience it was all pretty new to me right cuz I wasn't um that much into church, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, I didn't go to youth every Wednesday. We didn't really have that where I was. I yeah. was in a pretty rural area. So the singing of the songs and the um, studying the Bible, and mm-hmm. I had a, a friend named Susie that was in that type yeah. of upbringing and really deep in the Word of God. And so she really influenced me to go with her. Right. And so I went, and it was this new world of um you know, you could just feel, yeah, it just yeah. felt different, you right. know, and of course you're at camp and in the mountains. Sure. So while I was at camp that year, I got baptized. Okay. All right. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Yeah. And so I, I did what, you know, got in the water right. and got baptized and, you know, it didn't last long when I got home, mm-hmm. you know, and I, <clears throat> that freshman year to sophomore year, I was feel like it's pretty pivotal for kids. Yeah. And so you kind of, you, you, move on to adult paths pretty quick mm-hmm. and um so I did you know yeah. and it just faded pretty quick you know right. I didn't I didn't I didn't have a place where I plugged in where I continued to talk about my growth or my right. baptism or you know so just kind of entered that world of high school and mm-hmm. uh, focus on sports and focus yeah. on you know just kind of having fun hanging out with my friends and um then my senior year my grandpa died and yeah. that was the first, my granddad, he was the, you know, like most families, you know, head of our family. Mm-hmm. And it was a blow. It was tough. It was right. ha- it was fast. He died of cancer. And um, that is the first time I remember praying. Yeah. Um, still get emotional about it. Isn't yeah. that funny? Um, asking God mm-hmm. to heal my granddad. Right. And he didn't. Yeah. And I remember thinking, there is, there either is no God. Right. Or you... You didn't listen. I only, yeah. you know, I remember thinking, I've only ever asked you for this one, for this thing, one thing, and you yeah. didn't do it, and so I hate you. Yeah. And that was kind of a real close door moment yeah. for me on my spirituality. Yeah. So at that point, I went through my senior year and, um, you know, focused on prom and graduation. Where am I going to go to college and all of those sure. things? And so um, moved out of my house, went to tech. My brother was already at tech, and so I moved to tech. Moved in with my brother pretty quickly after I graduated, and uh, my dad was in the school system, and both my parents were educators, and uh-huh. so, you know, you have position changes, and right. so they moved to a new town, and so I moved in with my brother, and pretty quickly after being in Lubbock, I was assaulted, yeah. sexually assaulted, and that was a big change in the right. kind of direction I was going. I wouldn't say I was going in a great direction, but that sure. really uh, kind of sped up the process yeah you know yeah. and so as I got to tech and sort of delve into that scene of not a lot of believers uh, very few I have I have some friends that I look back now in college and see God put some believers in my life to sort of tether me to truth yeah right um they couldn't save me mm-hmm. you know so I went down that same path that a lot of kids go down um sadly you know that 18 to 24 mm-hmm. age I drank a lot yeah and um you know Oh, and you're carrying around some hurt. Yeah, carrying around, yeah, carrying around a lot of hurt. And, you know, about a year after that assault, I I used bulimia as a coping mechanism. So I went into an eating disorder pretty quick after that happened. And actually, you know, something most people don't know is that, you know, 87% of bulimics have been sexually abused or assaulted. Mm. So the eating disorder of bulimia is so directly correlated with a you know, sexual abuse, sexual assault a lot of times. And so looking back now, I I 
our brain is such a interesting thing, you yeah. know, and I coped in a lot the same ways that a lot of girls do, you know, I know boys have that issue as well, but mm. I can just connect with girls more on that level. And yeah, so, you know, I had a, that eating disorder was a tough thing. Yeah. You know, somehow I graduated from college. Right. In the know, middle of all that chaos. In the middle of that, yeah. you know, I had a lot of mental health issues, uh, struggled with depression, anxiety, a lot of those things all tying together. And you know, what, what, what college kids don't understand is, you know, we look, and even as adults, I think, we miss this fact that, you know, 18 to 24-year-olds, actually the leading cause of death now, 18 to 24-year-olds, is fentanyl overdose. Yeah. Second is suicide. That yep. just happened in the last year. I mean, right. that should be really disturbing to us. Yeah. But, you know, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And so we've got these kids that, you know, 18 to 24 are struggling with, with depression, anxiety, and we are not clearly telling them that the chemicals that they're consuming Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, I mean, let's be real, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right, right. A lot of college campuses um, are, are an absolute direct correlation to their mental health because of the way that that affects your chemicals in your brain. And so I, I dealt with all of that. Yeah. And they were all tied in there together. And so, man, I, it was a kind of a rapid but slow decline mm-hmm. for me. You know, somehow I graduated college. Yeah. Um, you know, I did not deal with drug abuse issues but I fully believe again praying grandmothers and praying protection around me because it was all around me and I've told Justin before you know not one time did someone offer me um you know talking about hard drugs yeah you know or really I mean you know besides the level of you know weed I saw that didn't do that and but it's a miracle because I didn't have a real innate ability to say no to much yeah right and so the fact that no one offered me drugs uh-huh. <laughs> is a miracle that's to an me. answer I w- prayer absolutely i believe yeah. those are absolutely protective prayers from mm-hmm. family members praying me through my mom and dad praying me through that hard time yeah um and so you know i just sort of got to this point i was age 24 i'd, I'd been out of college two years and i was just at rock bottom there's so much in the midst of that but i was literally alone yeah. You know, I was so far in my addiction with my eating disorder and, um, you know, abusing alcohol here and there as well. And yeah. ha- uh, had no friends. And right. rightly so. I wasn't a good friend. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, my parents having to make hard decisions and say, we won't watch you in this eating disorder. Right. So they were aware. Kill yourself anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I think as parents, we observe things a lot and sometimes it's hard to see. Mm. Um, but after six years, cause I, I really was in it about six years, probably about three years in, they had a cl- pretty clear yeah. idea that this was an eating disorder, but right. you can't help someone who can't see that they need help. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in a place where I could see, I was just running from hurt and pain. And right. so they did everything they could do, you know, mm-hmm. um, tried to lead me to help to, to doctors and psychiatrists and, but it was just a long process But you know, I find I, f- I can look back now and find the Lord there. Yeah. Um, because before, you know, before I really came to know him, mm-hmm. he was there yeah. in those lonely moments. I didn't right. have any friends and I, my parents really had to sort of say, you're on your own a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, they yeah. did it. I, I, I still had to live with them at different times. You know, moving back home was tough, Yeah. but you know, in the end, ultimately I see that, that God took me out of some situations and relationships and circumstances. I couldn't do it myself. And he removed those things and people and circumstances, all good people, but right. maybe not making the great, great choices the same I was, you know, yeah. so they that were when unhealthy I healthy for you, unhealthy for time. me at that time yeah. and probably unhealthy, yeah. um, Overall, right. too, but it's just that season. We were kind of all in together. But, you know, I, I was 24. September of 2003, I finally was like, I cannot live this way anymore. Right. And I've lost, you know, really lost all of my friends. Um, and I finally said, I need help. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, my family was ready to help sure. me do that. I had, I had people that I had made connections with. There were professionals that... Um, called them and our mental health system is so broken it is you know and I, I remember that moment of picking up the phone and calling the counselor that I had been to see but I didn't I wasn't really ready for help and right. 
calling her and saying, I'm, I need help. And she said, I can see you in six weeks. Mm. And I told her, I don't know if I'll be here. And I don't necessarily know that I thought I would, you know, end it all right. per se, but I really just had a clear understanding of like, I don't know if I'll be able to accept help in six weeks, yeah. but on this day, yeah, I'm ready. And so wonderful lady. Um, she just made room for me that yeah. day. I, she probably missed dinner with her family. Who knows what she did, but right. she met with me and mm -hmm. helped me take that step. And mm -hmm. so I spent September, October, November, December really delved into recovery from my eating disorder. Um, you know, if you don't know what that entails, it's, you know, I had a psychiatrist. I needed help with the chemicals in my brain. I had major chemical imbalances from lots of reasons, you yeah. know, substance abuse and then, right. you know, damn, hard on my body. And, right. you know, just I probably was predisposed a little bit to some uh -huh. depression and anxiety at that age. And and I had, you know, hormonal issues. So sure. definitely needed a psychiatrist. Medication for me was pivotal uh -huh. in the beginning to help me in my recovery and big advocate for medication. Yeah, Always, take, right. I take medication for yeah. asthma. Right, you know, and no one, no one thinks that's weird. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> so exactly right. We have I mean, to. What's going on in your brain yeah. is the same yeah. kind of thing a lot of times. Absolutely. You know, so. you know, my brother is a psychiatrist. I look yeah. up to him a lot, and uh -huh. um, of course, that time he was not a psychiatrist. He's in training to be a psychiatrist, but right. he always talks about with my kids and with me. You know, um, uh, the brain is an organ. Yep. And sometimes it can't do its job, and just like a pancreas, sometimes can't yeah. produce insulin. Mm -hmm. Your brain sometimes can't produce serotonin or endorphins, right. right? Or it lags to to keep up with what you need, and so just always been good for me. And I try to share that as often as I can, because man, that medication was pivotal at the beginning of my recovery. So, right. saw a psychiatrist. You know, every week I had psychiatrist, psychologist, um, counselor, mm -hmm. right? We talked a lot about stuff because you got to talk about stuff and a nutritionist. Yeah. Because I needed to learn how to be hungry or full again. And yep. so it was a long process. And man, I worked and worked and worked. And in that time, ran back into my husband, uh, December of that year. Yeah. Um, of course, not your husband at the time. Not my you, husband at the time. Ex actually, ex boyfriend. So high school. Oh. He was my boyfriend in high school for uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year. He graduated a year early. So my senior year, off and on, he was kind of off at college. Right. But together and then you guys dated for like th almost yeah, three years almost three years yeah wow. and then um you know I talked about my salt and that was a big moment in my life just kind of blew everything up and mm -hmm. so at that moment I broke up with him okay um, lots of stuff behind that but couldn't yeah. really explain to him what had happened and so I just I just knew it would hurt him yeah and so I just kind of was like I don't love you go away right so we broke up for six years yeah and um he remained friends with my brother that whole time and you know, we saw each other in passing, but uh, Christmas Day, 2003. So I'd been in uh, in recovery, walking recovery. The people around me knew I was in recovery. Yeah. Pursuing that as the focal point of my life from September, mm -hmm. October, November. Ran into him in December at a stoplight at Quaker in the Loop. We hadn't, <laughs> we hadn't seen each other, and I looked over. And, and there he, he was. There he was. And I had actually chopped my hair off. You know, yeah. it was one of those, like, Oh, changing yeah. my life, chopped my hair uh, yes, off things. Yeah. He was like, your hair. You that's know? what happened to me. Yes. Uh, no, that's yeah, not yeah. what happened to me. I just <laughs> lost it all. So. It'll change your life too, yeah, right? Yeah. So we actually pulled over at Blockbuster parking lot and um, decided to go hang out. And, wow. Uh, talked a long time that night, and he asked the question, you know, why are we not together? Wow. And Or maybe I did. I think I did. Why are we not together? And he said, oh, Roxanne, why are we not together? Yeah. And so we went home that night and separately and – Said we would meet for lunch the next day, and we were either going to meet to get married, or we were never talking again. Because <laughs> yeah. we had done this a right, little bit, did. run into each other. We knew yeah. everything about each other. That's we knew right. our families, and so we met for lunch on the board the next day and decided we were going to get married. Wow. Um, and then we kind of dated in secret for a little bit. Uh -huh. Didn't really tell anybody we were seeing each other. So, um, But in the midst of that, that was December, he moved to, to kind of get a fresh start, mm -hmm. um, start focusing on being an adult and less a college age kid, you know, yeah. and so he he had a job. He moved to Breckenridge, and I was in Lubbock teaching, and so we kind of dated in secret and didn't really tell anybody in uh, February of 2004. So I went on a walk to Emmaus, okay. um, and my Sandra White, anybody that's been in Shell Water very long knows Sandra White, mm -hmm. and um, she's a wonderful woman, and so she – sponsored me to go on a watch me. She was friends with my mom and yeah. You know, and just in the crazy ways that things happen. You know, my dad actually had a heart attack that Thursday. You know, watch me starts on a Thursday and wow. my dad had a heart attack that day and I had to go to the hospital and have some stents put in and 
he called me and told me I'm okay. You know, they've taken care of me. I'm in good hands. Don't not go. You wow. Know? So I had n- no intention of going. Right. Re- I mean, I agreed to go, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I remember thinking I, I probably will have to stop going to the bar <laughs> after this. And I, I don't know if I want to do that, you know, so I, I mean, just being real. And so I told Sandra, okay, but she showed up at my house that afternoon and yeah. I've told her this story. We love this. I mean, I just love her. And I just bought a new house. Right. And actually Carrie Sarchet went on that walk with me also. Oh, cool. Cool enough. So she was, yeah. she was in the car waiting on Sandra. They came to my house and I just, I actually just bought my own house. I was so excited. Right. Sandra walked in and said, oh, your new house, you know, and. I said, oh, Sandra, it's just been a crazy day at school. You know, uh-huh. I went and tanned. I went and worked out. I had no intention of going. Right. And so I, and she just, I, I said, y'all just go without me. And she just came in and she said, you know what, honey? I'm just going to sit and pray over your house mm-hmm. while you get ready. And she's just closed her eyes and she put her hands up and she just said, Lord, we thank you for time. Mm-hmm. Just all the time in the world. And I was standing there looking at her, and I thought she ain't leaving. So I went That's in my awesome. I went in my room and I packed a bag because this lady wasn't gonna leave <laughs> me there, leave. right? So I mean, I I went begrudgingly. And Carrie, who now knows how long she sat in the car, I've never asked her about that. I need to ask her if she even <laughs> in the car. But and I went um, because Sandra wasn't leaving me, right? You know. That's awesome. Um, she was taking me, mm-hmm. and so I went on that. It was a wonderful weekend. If you have never been able to go. I've never one. been. I'm, Such I, a great weekend. I have like written letters and done right. stuff for other people, but I've never been myself. Oh, even, you know, life's changing for in lots of ways. Justin went. And he he, his was life changing in different ways. He was already a believer, so uh-huh. he just you know opened some depth of understanding the Holy Spirit and stuff. It's great. Yeah, but it was, it was life altering for me because on that walk to Emmaus, I just. I knew the person of Jesus, but I didn't know this. I just didn't have understanding. I don't, and I, I don't know. I've wondered before, what, how did I miss it? Yeah, yeah. With it being around me. But it was just God's timing, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, just God's timing and my ability to see and hear. And I remember in telling this story and talking about Jesus. We just talked about Jesus the whole weekend. And hearing about him on the cross and the great exchange. Right. You know, and I was in such a place of brokenness. Struggling with an eating disorder that doctors had told me I would battle the rest of my life. Right. You won't get over this. You'll mm-hmm. just manage it. And yeah. I remember being 24 years old and thinking, it's unfair. Right. That you're telling me I have this sort of life sentence of this issue. And so there's this promise of being made new. Yeah. That was so intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, but I'd made poor decisions over those years in college. And so... Um, you know, like I said, I just had a hard time saying no. I had a lot of s- low self-esteem and just lived that way. Right. And so I carried that with me, too. And mm-hmm. so the being made new part. Right. And I just I remember hearing about Jesus. And I just remember thinking, I don't know who this man is, but I love him. Right. And so on my knees on Valentine's Day 2004, in a Catholic Church in Slayton, there was, uh, you know, there was a life-size crucifix of Christ on the wall. That was very different. I'd never yeah. seen something like that. I hit my knees, and I just said, if you are who you say you are, mm-hmm. you know, then you've got to take this eating disorder from me. Right. And I, re- I said, if you do, I'll spend the rest of my life telling people what you did. Yeah. And, I mean, it was it was miraculous. In an instant, he healed me. Wow. Um, My desire to binge and purge was gone. Wow. Um. And I was new. Yeah. So my relationship with Christ started Valentine's Day 2004, and my recovery started that day, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I could talk a, a day about my recovery. You know, that I had a relapse a couple of years later, and my recovery looked different. It uh-huh. wasn't an, an instant healing right. anymore. It was a, a walking day-in, day-out recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, you know, I went home, and Justin was there, my boyfriend yeah. at the time, and we prayed, and I told him, we've got to ask God to purify this relationship because I'll yeah. mess it up, and I love you. And right. I just mess He can't be where impurity is. I know that now. I understand that now, and I will mess this up. And so we asked God to forgive us yeah. for, you know, stepping outside the bounds of the design of relationships mm-hmm. for a man and a woman and um, just asked him to purify our relationship, and we were just giving it to him. Yeah. And we committed that we would remain pure in our relationship until we were married Yeah. the way he asked us to in his word right. and trust that he knows that mm-hmm. why we should. And so it was a beautiful moment, and um, that was Valentine's Day, actually the 15th. I came home the 15th, and we did that, and so 
kind of in a new relationship, right. you know, and, um, you know, kept dating, had no real clear plans on when we get married that, you know, I talked about infertility issues. And so I wanted him to fully understand that it was a possibility that we wouldn't be able to have kids. Right, I wanted him right. to really grasp that, yeah. you know, and, um, so just pursuing the Lord and understanding, digging in the word and built some relationships with people on that walk to Emmaus. And so I, I did our table group did a study called uh, purpose driven life yeah and that was my first ever real bible study or group Mm. study and so it was this mod podge of people that met at my house that i just bought and (laughs) i didn't have any friends remember right and so um i had a lot of free time to meet with these people and so we did a study and in that purpose driven life i remember you know the the daily focus was it's easy to follow God when things are going the way you want them to right but we've got to steady our mind and set our set our minds to follow Him when things don't make sense mm-hmm. and so on that day I remember sitting at my table in my little house and asking God to give me the courage to follow Him when things weren't going well because I was on a high you know right, right, right. I, God had absolutely I mean healed He had physically healed me from an addiction I could not beat yeah and told people that, you know, and people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, great, great. Yeah. yeah, but he did. He, he yeah. removed it. But, you know, they had to have time to see change in me. And mm-hmm. I was on this high of being a new and getting to let go of my past and these new friends. And But I, I, the Holy Spirit gave me that real clear moment of I'm going to trust you. Yeah, yeah. Even when it's not going great, right? right. Because at this moment, things were working out well for me. He mm-hmm. had made some major shifts in my life to good things. Yeah, and yeah. so. I did make that commitment, and then probably a month later, I uh, was on the phone with Justin, and we were talking. He was in his in Breckenridge, and um, I told him, "Man, I'm, I haven't been feeling well." And so I, I said, "I read an article about a young girls misdiagnosed leukemia. I went home from school after workout and just slept till the morning right, before right. I went to teach, and all of a sudden it was just this real clear like you're pregnant. I just kind of Whoa. had that thought. I was actually in the tanning bed, <laughs> and he was you. you. Okay, yes. uh, you discovered that you were pregnant, or it came to your mind. It came that to my mind that I was pregnant, and really, which bed. really shouldn't have been a possibility because right. I was supposed to be infertile. Yeah, and yeah. I was on birth control for other issues, yeah, and sure. so, and we had not been, you know, yeah, we made, made a commitment to be right. pure in our relationship, and so, so that was like the last thing on your mind. Absolutely, the last wow. thing on my mind. But I just said it out loud on the phone. He and we laugh. He was playing golf. If anybody knows, it's Justin knows he plays <laughs> golf, and. He said he got the shanks that day, and, yeah, he, and he, hadn't, he hadn't gotten rid of them since. So, <laughs> But, you know, I'm pregnant. Just kind of said it. And so I went next door, actually got turned to the tanning bed off, got out, and went next door and bought some pregnancy tests and went home and took all three. And I, I, he said, you know, I'll, i got to get my guys on down at work, and I'll be there in the morning. You know, and I said, no, you'll be here in three hours because that's, that's how long it takes you to get here. And he was, of course, he was like, okay. And so he... He drove, I cleaned house, top to bottom, talked to a friend on the phone, and, you know, just pivotal moments in my life, a friend, this friend said, you know, whatever you need to do, we'll support you. Yeah. And in that moment, I I know she was referencing whatever I need to do. Right, you know, right, and, right. Um, but God had just changed me, mm-hmm. you know. So Justin got there, and he said, how sure are we? You know, and he walked back, and I said, you can go look, and there's one, two, three, boom, boom, right, boom. Right, right. <laughs> And uh, he came and back out, and he set it, set back, and he kind of put his hands behind his head, and he said, "Well, this ought to make things interesting." Yeah. And he never wavered, and that I mean, that's one of the things He's I just not a adore waverer. about that man yeah. is he mm. is not a waverer. Mm-mm. If you don't know Justin St. Clair, yeah. you need to know him. That's he's a, a great man, steady man, steady yeah. man. So, you know, just this miraculous, um, and God healed my body because I had a baby to grow, right? And, um, you know, so. We planned a, a quick wedding, and, you know, we got married May 29th. And Which was cool, because you great. guys already knew that you were yeah, going to get we married. we already knew we were going to get married. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I, we came into that marriage in a pure relationship. Yeah. God gave us that gift. Um, that baby came into a marriage in a pure relationship. My right. kids know our story, and yeah. um, my daughter's proud of our story. She says, I was mm-hmm. part of the way God brought you together. That's right. That's you know? right. So her yeah. name's Mia Grace, uh, and that grace is on purpose. She's uh-huh. a absolute example of God's grace and you know there's so much in that about being a mom and you know I just cried and said I can't be a mom I was just crazy like a month ago you know and and Justin didn't waver he looked at me and he said you're gonna be a great mom I was crazy a month ago yeah Yeah. (laughs) so um and of course two years later we had Blaine and Presley and 
you know, I actually had a friend tell me, you need to look back at what day that was of Purpose Driven mm-hmm. Life. And so I looked back and it was actually day 14. Okay. And if you look up the number 14, it actually, um, you know, seven is complete right. fullness and um, 14 actually means double portion. Oh, and so wow. pretty cool. On that day, I didn't know I was asking God to give me the strength to to trust him with a baby. Right. Um, but actually, a couple of years later, uh, he gave me a double portion, yeah. you know. That's so it. that's not everybody's infertility story. So I always hesitate to share that right, a little bit. Right, but right. that's that's my story, and yeah. uh, there's such beauty in that. God is a, is real strategic in what He does. So well, and there's so there's a couple of things that you talked about that I, I like to circle back around if mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. So, um, so you know, it, one of the things that you pointed out in your story is that there, you you arrived at this point where you just really felt completely alone, friends mm-hmm. like yeah. and even people who loved you, family, people close to you, like you were holding them back from yeah. the, the deep parts of yeah. what was going on with you, right? Mm-hmm. So you just really felt alone. And I, 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 as you were saying it, I thought to myself, you know, that's what sin always does, right? That's what this broken world sure. does to us, is it, it alienates and isolates us mm-hmm. in the end, you know, to live in for ourselves or sure. to whatever, you know. Uh, the end is is that. It's isolation and loneliness. Mm-hmm. But So it, it, it's it's sometimes it's the result of our sin, but, but also it's also the result of, sin that happens to to us does that make sense right so we we're walking through this broken mess of a world we get hurt by Mm -hmm. it wounded by it and and that also works to isolate that's what the enemy wants always to do is isolate us um but but as you were talking though i was just thinking about like so i mean and you know i don't have to tell you this but one in four probably one in four oh, yeah. women. It probably, that, it's probably higher now. That's a actually. low. That, that mm-hmm. One in four are the ones that probably are reporting it, right? But, but sure. one in four women sexually assaulted yeah, at and some one point. in six men. Yeah, actually. one in six men. So, so uh, you know, no matter who's listening to this podcast right now, mm-hmm. okay, the odds are that there's at least one person right. who, has, who has lived that part of your story, mm-hmm. you know? And and they're so they're in whatever the darkness is on the other side of that that you went through, right? right? And wondering what, how in the world do I go forward from this? You know, my so much of my life and who I am has changed right now. Sure. What do I do with all this? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you? What do you say to a person who's in that in that moment? You know, the first thing I would say is it wasn't your fault. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't your fault. You know, yeah. um, and it took a lot of a lot of years for me to be able to allow myself that concession right. that it wasn't my fault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it, there are things that happen to us that we don't choose. And I think sometimes the enemy's real good at, at <clears throat> confusing us so much that he makes us think we did. Yeah. And I see that trick that he used in my life in those days of, mm. Uh, uh, blaming myself and allowing my self-worth to be dictated by a choice that someone else made and, right. um, you know, absolutely affected choices I made over the next few years. And um, so then I would feel ashamed and sure. s- then spiral in guilt. And, you know, yeah, I'm, spiral. That's the word, yeah. right? It just mm-hmm. leads into this kind of cycle yeah. of self-harm yeah. and abuse. And, and absolutely used alcohol to deal with those emotions and things, you know, um, and because that age group, it's such an accepted thing, sadly. Mm. Um, you know, it's just, we were, we were all abusing alcohol. We just did it in a group. Right. So it was like normal, I guess, you know, but I mean, I used, I used alcohol too, to kind of not deal with Mm -hmm. those emotions and those things. And so, yeah, I mean, sexual assault in the aftermath is, it's just so complex and long suffering, you know, right, it just affects right. so many facets of your life. And so I, the the next thing I would say is to tell somebody, yeah. you know, uh, somebody you can trust so they can look at you and say it wasn't your fault. Right, and right. then, you know, thirdly, I would absolutely say find a counselor mm-hmm. um, and, you know, any, anybody that's connected with our church, you know, I have names of yeah people that are trusted people, um, because I do talk about sexual assault in universities, um, you know, at sorority houses. And right. I've, I've talked at the high school. I'm doing a talk at the high school here uh-huh. in a couple of months. And um, that's part of what I feel like God has called me to share. Yeah. And so, you know, absolutely can get uh, resources yeah. for 
people who this is their job. They have tools and they know how to kind of walk you through the steps and stages and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I m- would not have made it without therapy. Right, right. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the to see you now, like to know you now, right? So, so you know, th- this really, really dark, painful thing, you know, happens in your life. And all these factors causing you to be like to think of you as a lonely or isolated person just literally boggles my mind because like you're the opposite of that, you know, to me. Right. You're connected to everybody. You're friends with everybody. Everybody knows who you are. And you just have this kind of personality that invites everybody in, you know, so to think of you as a closed off kind of person Mm -hmm. like that, just shocking. Right. To, Mm -hmm. To me to think about. And I. So I would want to say, too, to someone who's sitting out there, maybe who's experienced that, like that's the healing that the gospel does in Absolutely. our lives over the, this is, Christ is the great physician. He's the healer. And so mm. when we come to him with our, with, with all this brokenness and hurt and shame and everything else, all of the Lord's activity and all of creation is about healing. It's about restoring us to right relationship, yeah. to who he created us to be in the beginning. And, and so there's nothing that is beyond his power and his ability to heal. Yeah. Even those really painful, dark, ugly things that, that have happened to us that we even want to pretend like they're not mm. there. So I just, man, yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you being willing to talk about that, that part of your story. And I know you, I know that that's part, that something that the Lord has really called you to do is yeah. to, is to talk about that, share that with people. But I appreciate that. Yeah. I know there's folks out there who are dealing with that. Sure. Yeah. And that, you know, it's a, it is an incredible thing to look how, f- how far God has brought me um, to be because even before you know, talk about isolation and shame, I, I wasn't per se a person who locked themselves. You know, I was, no. I was alone, not by choice, right. but I did at one, that same season, I still had lots of friends and lots of yeah. acquaintances. They just didn't know. They me. didn't know you. They didn't right. know me. And you know, that I've, Brene Brown has said, you know, you throwing the window open on shame, mm-hmm. you know, does so much for that. And it's, bi- I mean, that's biblical. You yeah. know, the enemy wants to get us isolated alone and think we're. Oh, in the Psalms, yeah. right? I, 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 when I shut, when I shut it up inside of me, like my bones melt away. And the, yeah. they, they, so the Psalmist is talking about when, I, but when I, when I come to the Lord and I confess to the Lord, that's when yes. healing begins, you know? Yeah. So it's true. And that's, you know, it's part of, I think part of the. <clears throat> reason that people are drawn to me is because I am an open book. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm authentic by choice because I refuse to live inauthentic anymore. Yeah. And that was a choice made in recovery and uh-huh. a choice, a gift that Christ gave me right. to be free Yeah. and be fully myself and own not only where I've been, but who I am now. And, and, um, I, I cannot small talk. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's awkward. It's, you know, anybody that's listening to this that has known me, you know, if I run into a basketball game, I, I, I may just stare at you and smile, or I may just ask you just, you know, how are you doing in this hardest thing you've ever navigated? And to read the place we are and be yeah. like, oh, this is the time or not the time. But right. I just want to talk about Jesus and deep stuff. And, you right. know, I'm just not a small talker. And so I'm so thankful that I have so many friends and, people that I just love and people who pour into me and I, I hope I pour into them. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it is an exact opposite of who I was before, but it's almost a, the same, but different. Yeah, it's right. because I'm, I just get to be me, yeah. you know, and sometimes I'm a lot and people love me in that anyways. And, and that's okay. And sometimes I go back and be like, I'm a lot, sorry, I'm a yeah. lot, you know, but, um, that it's a gift God's given me right. as far as maybe so like a gifting, but a, a, yes. a, a present he's given me yeah. to, to live free. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful, you know, yeah, not so carry, thankful. Not carry around this weight of, you know, other people's expectations yeah. or worrying about what they think, yeah. you know, and, and just being able to just be yourself. Yeah. I think that's a thing that a lot of us yeah. wish we want, right? Wish mm-hmm. we had from the Lord for sure. So, And I don't get it right all the time for no, sure. No, no. Um, but... Uh, he just has helped me be loved. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he loves me so much. Well, there's a confidence, right? When you like, when you know who you are in Christ, named by God, adopted into His family, right? When you when you know who you are in Christ, there's this confidence that comes mm-hmm. from. I mean, I, look, my all of the identity stuff that so many people are struggle with in their lives, all these 
you know, self insecurities, self image, all these mm-hmm. things that people show. Those have all been settled for me in Christ Jesus, right. right? He he already tells he tells me who I am. I am who he says I am, mm-hmm. and so so I can I can live with the confidence because I know that right. That's mm-hmm. been settled. And that's not to say I don't deal with all that stuff too, and, and all of us do. And it, gosh, for me, you know, crip, sometimes crippling, right? Insecurity. Can I can I navigate this? You know, but. Um, but but when you have that bottom line thing settled, mm-hmm. and, and you and you know no matter what else anybody else in the world says about you, right? I know who he is. I says I am, mm-hmm. and I know how much he loves me. Uh, that really that really is freeing, like what it you said. It is. It is. And you know, I think the the other facet of that is the Im- I guess maybe an embracing of the imperfections yeah. of our humanity. And so being, you know, Christ defining who I am and how how much I am loved by him. You know, I have a tattooed on my foot from Mark. I can't remember. It's chapter 4, verse 51 or 5, verse 41. I think it's 541. I should know that. But it says Talitha Kum. I have that on my foot. Right. And it's from the story when the, the synagogue leader goes to find Jesus because his daughter's dying and uh-huh. they tell him never mind it's too late you know yeah, jesus stopped dead. when the woman touched his that's robe right, and that's right. and he continued on and they told him never mind jairus you know she's already dead uh-huh. and jesus so jesus puts everybody out of the room but but the parents mm-hmm. and um i think there's a couple of disciples with him yeah and he says his child is not dead but asleep mm-hmm. and he took her by the hand and he says talitha coon yeah. which means little girl get up and live yeah and that was that moment for me on valentine's day 2004 right you know Jesus took my hand and said, little girl, get up and live. And I finally understood what he paid, Mm -hmm. the price he paid. And I understood that if I was worth that, what my worth was. But the other facet of that being, it's okay that I'm not perfect. Right. And, you know, I'm... 41 now and I'm just continually growing the more I seek him and the more I just want more of him the more I see how much I need him right right and this sanctification process of you know that until I open my eyes to Christ I will be a work in progress yeah absolutely and I'm gonna get things wrong and I'm gonna get get him right and just you know watching God use me getting it wrong just mm-hmm. by me saying I, I did it wrong you know watching me and Justin make mistakes with our kids and parenting, but coming to our kids and saying we were wrong, right? We should have done it a different way, and seeing the Lord use the screw up, right, to even further further empower our kids and mm-hmm. bond us even deeper. So, a, a full trust of as long as I'm in pursuit of Him, right? He will get me through mm-hmm. and. I don't have to be perfect, yeah. and I can be fully myself because he says I'm worth right. even his own life. Mm-hmm. And the freeness and fullness of that, it's just, it's intoxicating. Yeah, you know, I just can't get enough of yeah, it. Yeah, that's the truth. So, listen, uh, for all of you who are, are if, you, if, you're, if you're listening to the podcast today, I just, I just want to say, I hope you hear one thing. If, you, if you've heard all kinds of other stuff, I know, but, but there's one thing that I hope you hear. I hope that you hear the voice of Christ saying to you, little girl, little boy, get up and live. Amen. That's the, uh, I, I, be- I really believe that that's the truth that the Lord wants you to hear today. And there is life. He came that we would have life and we would have it more abundantly. And, uh, and he wants to give that to you. And all it takes is like, like what you just said, Roxanne, all it takes is us being able to surrender to him. Yeah. All it takes is us inviting him in to our brokenness and to our mess and asking yeah. for his forgiveness. When we do that, when we do that, he takes us by the hand and he raises up out of the bed, right? Yeah, and, for and sure. We come and I, alive. You know, I think about that moment in my life of surrender, and it's such a clear moment for me. And I, I know the words I said were, "If you are who you say you are, right? Then I need you." Yeah, there it is. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I was. Um, I know my grandmother Ruby was rejoicing in heaven. You know She'd it. been praying for yeah. me to do that, but just how simple yeah. it was, mm-hmm. you know. And I, you know, I told you early, and you know, when my grandpa died, I was mad at God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard about this Jesus, yeah, and that was the beginning of me being able to trust Father God, right? Because if Jesus said God was good, mm-hmm. then I could trust Jesus, yeah. and so even if I, this 
mending of a relationship with my heavenly father mm-hmm. through my relationship with Christ. Right. You know, because I didn't trust God. Yeah. But I wanted to more of this Jesus. Yeah. You know? And, you know, so and uh, Jesus, what he came to earth to do, right, was to embody God's character. Mm. So the problem is when we look around the world, you know, the that what we see, the world wants to take God's, you know, activity, power, authority, wherever else, and distort it, pervert mm-hmm. it, make it into stuff that it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. But so Jesus just pulled back the veil. He was, he, what he did was he just lived it out. He said, this is who God is. This I am living his character out for you. Mm-hmm. If you want to know anything about God, right, watch me, yeah. right? And uh, and that's good news, right? Because mm-hmm. you're right, absolutely. There, there, here's this Jesus who comes with grace, with mercy, with unrelenting forgiveness right and uh and with passionate right sincere love that is just you know i'll do whatever it takes you know what i'm saying so and that's who god is right because that's who jesus is and uh and and that's good news for you and i and then so then the next thing we get to do right is we get to on on whatever scale god has for us right we get to we get to do the same thing embody the character Mm -hmm. of god you know show people who God is by the way we love others yeah. and by the way we live our lives and um which it's is empowered awesome. by the Holy Spirit yeah yeah because we can't do it without mm-hmm. without the Holy Spirit's power well gosh Roxanne thank you so much I uh, I really I really believe that the that your story these words uh that that they're going to really land on somebody's heart and God's going to use it um we'll have some uh we'll have some notes in the in the show notes of this episode uh uh, people that you could contact if um, if if some of Roxanne's story is some of your story and you need help and you need to talk to somebody, um, we're just gonna I'm gonna get some links from you, some yeah. some contact stuff sure. from you, and we'll just put it in the show notes. So make sure you go there if that's part of your story. Um, and and also here at, at First Baptist Shallow Water, uh, we sure do we love people who have been hurt and broken and wounded by the world because we all have been too. And so you just need to know if you're out there listening and you find yourself in that dark place, man, you are welcome here. Okay. And you're not, you haven't been any place where I haven't been as the pastor and where lots of folks in our church who are leaders where they haven't been and we love you and uh, we want to help you in this journey. It's no need to be alone. Right. Isolated, real relationship. The kind of relationship that gives life to you is available and we want to be that for you. So, um, all right. I think that's all we've got, man. What a, what a great opportunity to hang out and talk to you, hear more about your story. And you guys need to, I'm telling you, do yourself a favor, drink some hot Ruby. I'm just, I'm just throwing <laughs> yeah. it out there, man. I'm telling pitch, you. Pitch, pitch the hot Ruby. That's there. right, that's man. It's good. It's it good stuff. Good. It's good so, stuff. all right. In fact, you know, I've, the last time I, I was drinking some, I was sitting watching TV, you know, at night and I had some and I was like, Man, this stuff is just about too good. You know, it is. It's <laughs> you, good. every time I pour me a glass, I take a drink. And I'm like, gosh, that's good. And I'm like, <laughs> and you've yeah. Been, and you've been having yeah. it your whole life. Yeah. So. Anyway, well, thanks for listening uh, to the First Things First podcast. We've enjoyed this time together. We hope you have too. Uh, we'll have another podcast for you next week. So join us and have a great day. Bye.